Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran Indianapolis-based jazz bassoonist Mark Orwine. He spent some time talking with us about his life in music and his latest 2023 album called It Was Time. He grew up in Las Vegas, attended Loyola University in New Orleans for two years, then transferred to Boston University, and then played for one season with the Las Vegas Symphony Orchestra before he joined the United States Air Force Band at March Air Force Base in California, which led to the United States Air Force Band of the Rockies for four years and then on to Cincinnati. Over the last 20 years, Mark has performed in many different musical projects and over his life, he's gotten around. He's got quite a story. Enjoy this interview. Thanks for taking a minute out. I appreciate it. Oh, sure. No problem. So before we get into your new album, your life and music, I kind of want to get into COVID, how you survived the COVID time period as an artist. How did you survive and how did how, how has it changed the way that you approach music now? Well, it was pretty difficult for us because they I play in the Indianapolis Symphony full time and they cut our pay and cut our health care right away which was really nice of them um, so man uh, so luckily my wife's a nurse practitioner and we're okay that's when I got set up to like record at home so I got equipment so I can do like professionals recording at home so I started doing a lot of different projects for people Someone's like full sax section, let's say. They would send me the, the backing tracks and, and the music, and I would lay down all the tracks and send it back to them. Um, so I'm on a bunch of different albums. It's pretty pretty interesting. Um, and it was super fun. I, could, I did some really creative things, too, uh, during that time. So it actually opened up time-wise some, some things that I wanted to do, including recording two albums. So I was finally able to kind of plan and get those, get those going. I guess that's a part of this process is that there were silver linings as bad as it was, there were still things that were done that may not have been done if this didn't happen. Oh, right. No, definitely. And you know, my job is I'm playing concerts. It's a full-time orchestra. So I'm playing concerts every Friday and Saturday night. And uh, whether I like it or not. Um, So I actually really enjoyed not having to play concerts all the time. And um, definitely looking forward to retirement at some point so I can (laughs) not have to do that and play, you know, play the musical things I want to do and travel more and play, play in more cities also. Let's talk a little bit about, you, you mentioned a couple of albums, but this one specifically, it was time. Talk to me a little bit about putting this album together. How did it come together, and how does it kind of feel now with the world opening up to have this out now? I've been thinking about doing an album in a long time. And then, um, you know, I thought back on Michael Brecker. He's one of my favorite sax players of all time, you know. Well, he didn't do his own album until he was 40 years old. And, you know, he's on thousands and thousands of other albums and recordings, but had never done his own project. So um, so I was thinking about that. I was like, man, I really, and I'm on all these recordings. Even today I had a recording session um, for Alfred Publishing. And then on Monday I've got a couple sessions too. So I'm, I'm in the studio doing all these recording sessions, but I really wanted to do my own thing. So this just prompted me to do it. So, yeah. And most, you know, 
most of the album is done in studio and then some overdubs here and there, like what's me obviously overdubbing flute, clarinet, sax, you know, bass clarinet, not bassoon on stuff. I, I did that myself, uh, overdubbing, of course. Um, and my best friend plays in, with Mitt Marcellus in the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra, trumpet player. So he's on two cuts and those are tracks that we sent. And then he did the recording on top of that. Um, which, you know, the good thing is people now are set up to do that. You know, most professional, a lot of professional players, I should say, um, are set up now to record at home. So it's now very possible to, to do that thing more and more and more. As far as the charts then, um, I already had some charts written, and then I decided to write a couple more. My um, guitar player that I use all the time, um, I asked him to write one. I asked my son, who's playing all the electric bass on the album, asked him to write one. Uh, another bass player that I, I used to use all the time, um, we had been, been doing his tune already, that Basso Basa. And so I told him, man, we, I really want to record that tune. <clears throat> so, yeah, I just started putting putting the charts together. It's kind of a weird list <laughs> in that... Um, you know, it's not just like a jazz quartet album where you go in and record and everything's kind of sonically the same. Like it, almost every tune on this album is is different sonically, you know. I've got five different drummers on there and, you know, all the different woodwinds for sure. And, um, and you know, I've got a Latin tune. I've got a funk tune. I've got a pop tune even. I want to do one pop tune because I do play quite a bit of pop music and play with rock bands and stuff and uh, a friend of mine won the voice and so i figured man <clears throat> i really want to do that tune so i did the the arrangement of that the bonnie Raitt tune um yeah so just started putting together list a bunch of tunes to do so it almost seems like when you say you got a nice mix of things that are going on on this album it almost sounds like your life you grew up in vegas you went to school at Loyola in New Orleans, went to Boston, you're in Indianapolis right now, so right. you've been all over the place. So talk to me a little bit about how the seeds of music, and more specifically jazz, got rooted in you on this kind of geographic journey to where you're at now. You know, my teachers in Las Vegas were playing with Frank Sinatra and people like that, and so they were they were good doublers, so they played you know, they played saxophone, of course, and flute and clarinet. Um, so, and you know, mostly jazz bass players, but they they had some classical training for sure too. Um, so, I, yeah, I started on piano and then saxophone, and really was into the Jerry Mulligan when I was first starting out, and uh, Dexter Gordon, some of the, some of that type of playing. So really, I started there. I didn't pick up the bassoon until I was in high school. And so then I always, I did both. I always took lessons on both. Actually, one of my teachers in Las Vegas is a guy named Garvin Bouchelle, who is on some of the early Miles Davis albums, playing uh, bassoon and saxophone and clarinet and all sorts of things. Um, so, So that was really, I never wanted to give up one for the other. And when I was in high school, Wynton Marcellus came out with the two albums, a jazz album and a classical album. And I think he won Grammys for both or something. Like the first person to ever do that. And then, um, 
Eddie Daniels, uh, jazz clarinet player. Most people know him as a jazz clarinet player. Um, he's some that I played with early on in, in college in New Orleans. And, you know, he, he was one of the main guys in New York playing flute and piccolo and, of course, clarinet and amazing tenor player. He was the lead tenor player in the Thad Jones Miller Lewis Orchestra. Um, and, you know, one of the best clarinet players of all time. You know, this is unbelievable classical or jazz. So, you know, I've, I've always had just this both of them going on and certainly didn't want to give up either one. In New Orleans, certainly it was jet, more jazz-based. The classical scene wasn't that great. Um, so after a couple of years, I decided to go to school in Boston. And at Boston University, I was just a bassoon major, but I was still playing um, jazz on the outside. I was in a band called the True Colors Big Band uh, with John Badesky was in that band and Donnie McCaslin and uh, Rob Sheps and some real, real heavy hitters, you know. So I was playing with those guys, you know, a couple times a month and, and then doing my classical thing at school. Um, and then it, when I went to New York, I was subbing on Broadway and just kind of doing some jazz and some classical, just, a, again, a big mix. Um, and then my first, well, then I moved to Las Vegas and I was playing a show and in the symphony. I was playing the Legends and Concert show there. Um, and then my first full-time job was in the Air Force band, actually as a sax player. So I was lead alto in the Air Force in the jazz band and uh, and then played in concert band, all the different doubles, a lot of flute and clarinet. So, um, so yeah, it, it's just always been there. Let me ask you this. You know, you've been at the game for a long time, decades. And I'm, I'm curious, what's been your key to longevity? You know, you've been in different incarnations, and you've consistently played. What is it to you, for you, that makes you consistently do this and to, and to stay up on it? Uh, probably because I'm crazy, maybe. <laughs> um, I mean, making a living in music is so hard. That's that's one of the main reasons why I took the bassoon so seriously, and and it came to me pretty quick, pretty pretty well. Um, but I saw to make a living. You know, to make a living as a jazz, let's just say just as a jazz sax player anywhere is is super hard. Adding the bassoon and being, you know, a top level bassoon player uh, really added a lot. So I've always been able to work, put it that way, and always had a full time job playing, which is, you know, I can't say that for too many people really. So, and at different times in my life, I'm, you know, I'm certainly concentrating more on classicals at different times and certain other times I was, I was doing more of the jazz and more of the uh, doubling, you know, playing like Broadway shows and things like that. Um, and I, I just love music and I love all different styles and I keep busy today. Like I'm, I'm the only person in the orchestra that plays all this other stuff. So I often during a week I'll play, you know, I'll play a symphony show and then, I go and play with a rock band until three in the morning. So I, I do that all the time. Or uh, or my jazz group, I, I'll book after a symphony show. So there's, and I play with a Latin band too. So uh, I just, I have a bunch of different things going on and um, I really enjoy it. I think that's, that's one of the main things. I work hard too, I will say. I practice a lot. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can see that. I can for sure see that. 
Um, so I'm curious, you know, a lot of people out there hear bassoon, they don't understand the instrument. For a layperson out there, how would you describe this instrument and how do you describe the way it works in a band? You know, not only what you do uh, with the symphony, but what you do in, in, you know, other jazz compartments that you're involved with. Sure. Yeah, so the bassoon is, is a pretty weird instrument. You use your thumbs a lot. Um, technically, I think it's the hardest instrument to play of anything, just the, the basic technique of it. Um, some others are harder, like French horns, harder on the lips, and, you know, you have to be super accurate. But as far as the basic technique, the bassoon's pretty hard instrument. Um, and a, a lot of my practice time is actually spent making reeds. So any oboe and bassoon player at a pro, pro level, talk to any of them, then they'll say a good portion of their practice time is actually just making the reeds to, to sound good. Um, yeah, the function of the bassoon in the band, uh, well, I'm going through guitar pedals and different modules. So I can sound like a lot of different things. Like on the album, um, certain times you might think it's electric guitar, but not really. And that's, well, that's an electric bassoon. It's, it definitely has a little different sound. But uh, one of the functions too is the bassoon's not that loud of an instrument compared to a saxophone. So even if I'm not using any, you know, changing the sound at all, um, I'm amplifying the sound and it, it's, it makes it so you can actually play play in a band. <laughs> so jazz band or rock band. I even have a, a band called Rocky Bassoon. Rock and then capital E Bassoon. And um, it's six of us that are all electrified and a rock drummer. And we do Metallica and Led Zeppelin and even the Beatles and Britney Spears, Beyonce, all sorts of different stuff. And I'm, I function as like a lot of, I'll play lead vocals and most of the guitar solos in that band so yeah adding adding a pickup to it and going through through pedals has really opened up a lot of a lot of worlds i would say for for me on the bassoon so for the purposes of our show being you know really specifically geared towards jazz i'm curious why do you love jazz well that's that's a great question and like for me i play Right now, at least, for the past 20 years, I've been playing full-time in a symphony orchestra. Well, in the symphony orchestra, there's very little freedom we have. We have to play exactly what's on the page, exactly the way the conductor wants it. Sometimes, you know, if you have a big solo, most conductors will let you have some freedom of what you're gonna, how you're going to play it. But then there are some that will say, no, can you do this and this and this? And that's my job is to do what the conductor says. So, um, so for me, like I would not be happy just playing in the orchestra, not at all. I, I have to have the, the musical freedom, and jazz is gives you not complete freedom. I mean, gets you have to play, you know, play let's say the head of the melody or whatever. But um, but you you definitely have a lot of freedom of how you want to interpret things. Very much, it's very. Fulfilling, I will say that um, you know classical music can be as well, but uh, for me it's just a, it's a different thing because I can put myself into into the jazz stuff. And jazz is sort of many different styles. You know, I do like playing old swing stuff. Um, I like post bop better for sure. Um, 
I mean, I, most of my tunes are a little more geared towards that. Um, when I'm playing live shows, I'll even do some, a little bit of free jazz. Um, depends on the crowd. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely like the, the freedom, the freedom of jazz and all, all the different styles involved in it. You know, the one thing, too, in your career is that you've been around a lot of veterans, esteemed older players that have been around a lot. What do you take, what do you take from that and in turn teach younger players that you get around? Yeah, it's funny. I, I teach at university as well. And, you know, sometimes these, these kids sink their hot shots, you know, and, uh, you know, I'll just tell them, man, you got to watch it, <laughs> watch your attitude, really pay attention. You can learn a lot from, from you know, it doesn't even have to be older player, but, you know, can learn a lot from, from different people. And usually after a while they, or, or they might get out of school and they realize, they start realizing those things. Every time, like uh, on, on my album, the title cut is a uh, tune I wrote and then I had one of my favorite players, um, Frank Glover, do the harmonic treatment of it, do the arrangement basically. And um, uh, I'll go play with Frank and like, he'll scorch me some, you know, a lot of times. But uh, every time I feel like I'm a better player playing with him, I really pay attention to how he does things stylistically and harmonically. And um, I just feel I learn something every time I play with him. So I try to convey that to the younger kids that, you know, no matter what situation you're in, Try to try to take it as a learning thing, you know, learn something from from when you're sitting in, and especially with a with a group. So let's say we get off the phone and, and a jazz DeLorean pulls up in front of your house, and you can go anywhere in time and catch a, a show, catch an act. Where are you going? Who do you want to see live? Oh man, I would really want to see John Coltrane. He he died two days before I was born, so wow. <laughs> obviously <laughs> couldn't see him, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I would love to see the the band with with Miles and uh, and Cannibal because Cannibal is one of my favorites of all time too. Just everything he plays is like just such a, a joy to it. And uh, but that that band in particular, I think, would be one or um, the recording session with Coltrane and Sonny Rollins. I'd love to hear those two guys together. Um, but certainly that vintage, I think, I would. And just that post pop. So everyone out there has a perception of you, an idea of who they think you are, your family, your friends, colleagues, those that get your music, but ultimately you're in charge of your life. You're in control. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? That's a good thing. That's a, it's a good question because like most of the people see me and like, Oh, Mark Ortwine, you know, he's this and this. And, um, I'm always I'm always learning, and I'm and people like like when I said when I play with Frank Glover or some other players, it's like, man, I, you know, there's so much to learn and practice to to get to that next level. Um, Some I'm, I'm always I'm consistently just practicing and and working to be better, and um, I'm always just striving. I'm certainly there's, and then that's another thing. Like I don't care how old you are. Both people, both the other bassoon players in my orchestra are younger than I am, and I'll get with them and say, "I want to, I want to really see what you're doing threes here," or, or "Wow, that sounded great. What is fingering did you use?" So you know, I'm I'm very open to to still learning. I don't care if you're older than me or not. You know? <laughs> um, 
so that I really try to stress that to students too is uh, you know don't get stuck thinking you're better than you are maybe because I have a long way to go to get where I would like to like to be you know playing absolutely so Mark anybody out there that wants to get it was time any of your other recordings learn more about you where's the best place on the web to go Right now, just find me on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, my album, I'm just selling that, the CDs. Um, I mean, it is on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, all of that stuff, too. Um, and there are some YouTube clips. I need to really update a lot of things there. <laughs> a lot of it's old. But uh, so, yeah, I would just say, say there. I'm going to get a Bandcamp thing going, some other things going soon as well. But uh yeah, and I have ortwinewoodwinds.com, or I think if you just put my name, markortwine.com, it pulls up to my website also. So, yeah, I have a little side business selling selling products for bassoon and a uh, bunch of little business things. That's why I'll say, too, is, uh, you know, the musicians that are making a living in music full-time, most of them are not just playing music. They're teaching or they're... Um, selling products or like repairing instruments, like all, all sorts of different things. And I, I kind of do a little bit of all of that. So you can get really bogged down too by getting too busy. <laughs> Turn down gigs I don't want to do, which I used to not do. So I can, I'd rather have more practice time or even sleep in or, you know, spend time with my family. Cool. So yeah, it's, it's, it's tough, tough life being a musician. But oh, I, I get it. I, I do yeah, love it. Though. Absolutely. Mark, hey, thank you for opening up. Thanks for taking time out. Good luck with the album and, and have a great 2023. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview. We'll give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Las Vegas, Boston, Kansas City, Indianapolis, and spots all over the globe. Giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Mark for his time, music, and plenty of stories. If you want to hear more interviews, visit Neon Jazz Interviews at iTunes or Spotify. You can visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.